Welcome to the Be Loud About What Matters podcast. I'm Olivia, your host. On this podcast, I will be bringing light to topics that are important but not discussed enough within our society. Episodes will include a range of topics, starting with a journey to conceive, pregnancy, birth, postpartum and motherhood, holistic healing and nutrition, and the importance of true informed consent and medical freedom. The goal of this podcast is to create connections, share stories, information, and resources to educate and empower people in their own personal journey. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Be Loud About What Matters podcast. Today, I have a new friend on with us. I'm so excited. Her name is Carly, and she's on Instagram as Be Still and No Motherhood. And we connected basically because of our shared like-mindedness when it came to gentle parenting and the way we respond to our children and a lot of other things. We've gone back and forth quite a bit at this point. But Carly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Would you mind sharing a little bit about you? Yeah, of course. Um, Thank you for having me. Um, I am Carly and I have an Instagram page called Be Still and No Motherhood where I just kind of share really all the things, but my journey through becoming a mother in the last almost six years of my life is um, something that I feel like more people should talk about. Yes. Just kind of (laughs) becoming a mother and how that literally changes everything. 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 (laughs) Like, I feel like you can't even like explain it properly to somebody who has not gone through it no um so yeah i have a passion for encouraging moms and really i process through writing and Mm. so i write a lot of stuff um yeah so that's a little bit about me yeah well i am seriously i feel the same exact way i'm so excited to have you on and have these conversations because I know initially when I became a mom, one of the things I was struggling with was meeting other moms who were like-minded in the sense of responding to their kids. Not that other moms don't respond to their kids, but just in the mindset of responsive parenting and gentle parenting. And I was having a hard time finding people around me locally. And so this is where I was really, really thankful for Instagram and social media because I found all of these accounts. I found your account and it really helped me not feel alone because when we're sitting talking to like the older generations, right? The older generations, I mean, our parents and their parents are very, not everybody, but most of them are very, just leave your kid to cry it out and it's going to suck for you for a little bit, but then they'll get used to it and they'll be fine. I ended up fine. You ended up fine. And I just remember sitting, looking at them and being like, that goes against everything in my body, like down to my core, it goes against it. And so I just, I remember feeling awkward and uncomfortable saying like, no, I'm not going to do those things because to them, it's such a foreign concept to be super responsive to your baby and their needs. And yeah. so I was really, really thankful when I found accounts like yours and accounts on Instagram where I could just send a message to another mom and be like, thank you for sharing this because I hadn't thought about this way or I feel this way too, you know? 
Yeah. So I actually, I guess a little bit more about me. So I am certified as a positive discipline educator and I'm also certified as an attachment focused sleep consultant. So I kind of share kind of just a little bit of everything, like all include, including all of, all of that. Um, but uh, a little bit more about me is that I was actually a behavior therapist for five years. Wow. So, and that was kind of how I started. So when I had my first, um, I was still working as a behavior therapist and I know you probably know, um, that's completely, I would say almost opposite of like what I talk about now. Um, so that was kind of part of my evolution of like, unlearning and relearning and learning more and researching and learning about the brain and child development and all of that stuff. Because I actually started out when I had my first, I knew everything about behavior. I knew functions of behavior, how to do everything. You know, you sleep train, kids are manipulating you. Um, (laughs) All of these things that literally they upset my sensibilities so much when I hear these things I'm like no they are literally babies what are you talking about um but I also I have compassion for people who do that because I was that yes so you know I get on and I talk from the perspective that I am now but I also have that empathy for people who were where I was right you know yeah Um, because you don't know what you don't know Mm-hmm. You know, and so when you grow up and you're in one kind of environment around a certain amount of pe- you know, people, then that's all you know. Exactly. And it wasn't until my son was about like 10 months old and I just had literally, it was like a, an epiphany from God. And I was like, if I only focus on his behavior, I will never have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Like this is going that. nowhere fast. And I have spent the first 10 months of his life trying to make him into something that he's not mm-hmm. because I said so. Mm-hmm. And so from there, it was just, I read the whole brain child. Yes. And I was like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> And that really just started um, a whole new world yes. for me. I I was saying this. I don't know if I said it on the podcast or somebody I was talking to, but specific to what you were talking about, we have compassion for people who don't know these things. Because I think about our parents and our grandparents with so their parents, they didn't have access to Google. They didn't have access to Instagram accounts, Facebook Um, And a lot of the time they dealt with these things alone. They didn't have new mom groups, you know? And so there's a big part of me that, like, I get that. I understand that. And I think one thing that is incredibly important is for people to have the ability to understand that something that they've known for their whole life, part of their life, is not accurate and is actually harmful and yeah. a lot of people have, have a hard time doing that because they're like, oh, it's, hard. it's so hard. I, and I, yeah. I mean, I've done it too. I was, I mean, I've been a nanny 
I've worked with kids for, gosh, I don't even know, since I was 13. So I'm 31 now, very long time. And I thought, like, going into motherhood, I was like, I got this, you know, like, right. super nice. I know how to take care of babies. And then you have right. your babies, man, and you're like, this is very different than what I thought it yes. was going to be. But, yes. yeah, I say that all the time, and it's it's not easy to admit that. But then at the same time, once you know this information, you can't unknow it, you know? Mm-hmm. And all you can do, it's like no better, do better, right? Yep. And I, I, I really also struggle with the people who are in the profession of, like, as a pediatrician when they're giving you advice um, on certain things, whether it's like infant development or infant sleep. And some of them are very, very misinformed. Some of them have not had any sort of training in that. And they're like, oh yeah, just shut your baby in the other room and leave them there and they'll be fine. And sleep training isn't harmful when you're leaving them to cry it out. And that stuff frustrates me a lot because it's like, you are in a position where moms are coming to you all the time and they're asking you things. And so I feel like in most cases, it's your responsibility as a pediatrician to do your due diligence and do research. And if you have moms that are coming in saying, you know, this doesn't feel right to me or I don't, it doesn't, doesn't sit well with me, you should be looking into that. So again, we have access to all of these resources at this point. So I that's part of why I want to talk about these things, right? That's why we talk about these things that are important and matter because what people fail to realize is that the way you respond to your children literally impacts what they think about themselves and every single relationship for the rest of their lives. And understanding (laughs) that is a big undertaking and being like, oh shit, you know? And I think the other part of it too is our parents and older generations may view it as us saying, well, you did it wrong, you know? And it's not saying that. It's just saying I'm choosing to do it differently because it feels better for me. It feels better for my family, and I want to positively impact our ch- my child. And yeah. so, yeah, it's a it's not necessarily always an easy conversation to have with people, but it's important. Yeah. Well, and it's like, so my mom, when I was a baby – I wouldn't sleep and so she went to my doctor and my doctor said well of course she's waking up you keep going in there with a bottle and feeding her and so they I can't even remember the book he told her to buy bought the book and it just said you know basically you're feeding her so of course she's gonna wake up um okay (laughs) like I mean it sounds so silly but seriously that's I mean what, what, what else was my mom supposed to do? My doctor was saying to do this. I know. So it's like, you want to trust these professional people. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, so many, the, the moms that I work with, so many times they have told me that their pediatrician has told them it is time to sleep train. Yes. And I do my intake form that is like 60 questions goes over all kinds of red flags. I mean, I'm worried about like maternal mental health. I'm worried about mouth breathing. I'm worried about oral ties. Mm -hmm. I mean, anything and everything because sleep is not really just about sleep. No. So there's all of these different things. And I would say probably like 90% of the moms that I work with, 
their child had, it's either like um, they sleep with their mouth open. So it is literally a breathing issue. Right. And their doctor is not looking at that. And they're just saying, well, just leave them to cry. And of course they'll go to sleep. So then they're missing all of these things that are, are detrimental. I mean, we're talking about the way that their mouth is developing. I love so much that you are sharing that because I'm in the middle of going through that, right? And I I had an inkling that she had a my daughter had a lip and or tongue tie when she was younger. But she she only she wasn't a mouth breather all the time. Most of the time her mouth was shut. It was here and there and she was gaining fine and having regular diapers and I had an inkling. I asked I don't know if it was a lactation consultant. I asked somebody and they told me no. And I wish that I went and got a second opinion because now she's about to be two and a half. And I brought her to her pediatrician and he was like, oh yeah, she has a lip tie. And I was like, okay. I knew it. I knew it. And so looking back and now since I don't know what I did. I looked at a some course that went into like a really big conversation on lip ties and tongue ties and cheek ties and how how it literally impacts your health. And so then I got a better understanding of it. And I was like, oh my God, I did not realize how much this impacted sleep. And so I had the Wonder Weeks app, which was very, very spot on and helped me with a lot. But then when it came to sleep, there was a period of time in her life where I want to say she was six, seven, eight months old, where she, I literally just baby wore her all night at nighttime, like from the time, from her bedtime until I went to sleep. I would wear her in a carrier. I would make dinner. I would eat my dinner. I'd brush my teeth and I, because that was the only way she would sleep. And so looking back, I'm like, now is that due to tongue and lip ties that she has? And so many people have no idea how many issues it causes. Not so many. And I'm talking to so many moms and they're like, that happened? No way. Like that, that's real. And I'm like, yes. And then I think about my dad who has sleep apnea, full blown, full blown CPAP machine. And I sleep with my mouth open. I'm a mouth breather. So now I'm like, all right, well, I need my ties revised. I need to revise her ties. And not yeah. only not only do you need to get them revised, but you have to get this body work done. Yes. It's so much better to do it when they're younger. So that's why it's frustrating. I wish I did it when she was younger. But now now I know. And now yeah. I, can, I can do things to fix it and make it better. But it is mind-blowing to me that this is literally not a topic of conversation at pediatrician appointments. Well, and – I've heard people say that it's like a fad. I know. Like, like it's some like popular thing to, and it's like, okay, wait a second. No, <laughs> nobody would choose to like have your child have difficulty sleeping and all this. And it's so much more than just sleep. Mm. I mean, you talk about if, if you're sleeping with your mouth open, that is a problem. Mm-hmm. If you are snoring, that is a problem. Mm-hmm. And it it's not just about sleep. If you're not sleeping with your mouth closed and the tongue to your, the roof of your mouth, your body cannot rest and digest. And then it affects everything. I mean, mm-hmm. then your brain is in, is not resting. Your body's not resting. Mm-hmm. You're, and I mean, the list just goes on. It affects everything. 
thing. Yeah. At her appointment, they had this, they had this TV screen that shows all the different ways that it impacts your teeth, your jaw, your mouth, the way that your neck, the way that your neck sits and all the pressure, additional pressure it can put on your neck. And even, even I learned more sitting there watching that. And I'm like, why is nobody talking about this? It's something that I'm going to have a full blown episode on soon. Um, Yes. But it's just like, this is so, so important. And it's doing such a disservice to parents to not even just bring it up, not just check, you know, if you're going in to check your baby's weight, check your baby's height, whatever, if you choose to go to a doctor and that should be one of the things you talk about. Does your baby have a lip or tongue tie or a cheek tie? It should be, it should be checked from the beginning because then you can go into the whole conversation about women who want to breastfeed, but their baby can't get a good latch and then they don't have support and then it's too painful for them and they don't want to do it because it hurts so bad. That should be one of the first, that should be the first thing that they look at and you should and so many moms I know so many moms who they didn't continue that because it was too painful for them and nobody talked about tongue and lip and cheek ties and I'm just like ugh, so many things all three of my kids had tongue or lip tie or both Mm -hmm. and nursing was such a struggle and I just I didn't know about all of this stuff you know, and so, I mean, that another thing, like, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't even know the kind of support that I was supposed to be, like, looking for. Mm-hmm. I was just like, well, I guess I can't nurse. I know. And it's like, wait a second. God literally created me and my baby to nurse. Yep. This is a problem, you know? And so. Yeah, we could go on and on about <laughs> I know. know. So I would love to move into a conversation about, so you discovered gentle parenting based on your previous experience and then having your son and then that epiphany moment of, I can't just focus on his behavior because I also love to touch on the point that your child's behavior does not define who they are. That's not who they are. And so many, so many people strictly focus on their child's behavior and they don't take into consideration all of the different things. And this is one of the biggest things for me that changed the way that I viewed taking care of kids was stopping and looking at it from my daughter's perspective. You know, even recently there was a a post that was going around on Facebook and it was talking about how the holidays, it's a lot for us as adults. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of going places, this, that, and X, Y, and Z. And it was talking about looking at it from your child's point of view. If you're overstimulated and you're stressed out and you're tired, imagine what's that, what that is like for any child, but a toddler, a young child, and a baby. Imagine how much that is, especially if it's a newborn baby or however old they are, and they're just being passed around to everybody. Yes, new new places, new people, new food, like lights and mm-hmm. presents and this. And I mean, it's, it's, it's so crazy. Much. It is a lot for adults. So especially like a child, just imagine. Yeah. Yeah, and so that is one of the things outside of starting to read the books on gentle parenting that really, really opened my eyes and just made me reevaluate my views that I had for years and yeah. years. 
and realizing yeah. that did not align with what I felt anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, you mentioned, so it is so important that our children know that their actions are not them. Yes. So like you can make a bad choice or a poor choice or whatever adjective you want to use, mm -hmm. but you're not a bad person. Mm -hmm. So like I can mess up, but I'm not a mess up. Right. But to our children, their brains are developing. So many things are going on. There's so many factors that go into development when all they hear is how they're doing everything wrong yes. and stop and don't yes. and, you know, not right now. And I mean, then they start to internalize these things yes. and it's not, parents don't intend to do that, mm -hmm. but you have to, that's what you have to zoom out. And that's a lot of times, you know, what I do and just what I what I try to do, I mean, it's hard sometimes, is like take a moment and pause and think about what is really going on because our children's behavior is communication. So what is my child in this moment trying to tell me? Like holidays, for example, mm -hmm. throwing a fit, you know, overstimulated, all that stuff. It could be so easy to go to you ungrateful, look at everything I've done. We're having mm -hmm. fun. We're eating cookies. We're getting presents. We're at grandma's house, blah, 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 blah. And really all it is, is they're tired. They're mm -hmm. off their schedule. They're overstimulated. It's impossible to feel grateful when you're getting 20 presents. I mean, you know, you I have know. to look beyond what's going on and address that first. Yeah. Then you can come around to, you know, different boundaries and, you know, whatever guidelines and stuff you have for your family when it comes to behavior and all that stuff. Yeah. And I, one of the things, like, even when you're talking about, like, I'm saying this in air quotes, good or bad behavior. Yes. I, I, I remember there, I think it was Janet Lansbury who said it, like, there's no good or bad behavior or misbehavior it's literally just your child looking for your attention and then sometimes people are like oh they're just looking for attention it's like yes that's exactly what they're doing they want you they want your attention so you can go over there and help them sort that out that's the other piece that i think people are missing is that they expect babies and young children to be so independent and their brains literally are incapable of doing these things. Even when it comes to sharing, for example, toddlers cannot share. They, they, they don't understand what that concept means. So you no. can spend time explaining taking turns and doing that sort of thing, but like yelling at your kid or if your kid just got a new toy and you're telling them to share it with somebody else, I understand why they wouldn't want to do that, you know? Yeah. And so the push for independence and there's the lack of understanding of how infant and child's children's brains, their development. It's, it's astounding that this is not talked about more. And it's just viewed as, okay, your baby's born, like put him in the other room, let him cry it out. Uh, I, I get frustrated sometimes because they talk about keeping your baby healthy and keeping your baby safe throughout your whole pregnancy. And then, then your baby's born and they're like, nope, they're good. And you're like, no, they're not good. 
They need you. We're literally hardwired down to our core, our DNA, to respond to our babies. And our babies are hardwired to need us. And so I don't know who decided that that is such a foreign concept, but... Well, society is obsessed with independence. Obsessed. It's like, hurry up and sleep on your own. Hurry up and sit up. Hurry up and walk. Hurry up and talk. Hurry up and read. Hurry up and, I mean, it's almost like the theme is like, hurry up and let parents get on with their lives and not be bothered by raising children. Which is so, I mean, it, it's sad. It reminds me of one of, your, one of your posts recently. I don't remember what exactly it said, but something along those lines about just not rushing everything or not, maybe it was, yeah, what an honor to be so needed by them. Children are a blessing. And so those are two separate ones, but I remember literally I had a post ready. Uh, like it... I don't think I said honor. It's something like it's so special. It's so important to be needed by her, like viewed as an unpopular opinion, right? Like it's a blessing to be needed by my daughter. And you never really stop and think about like, okay, right now it may be a lot to be needed in, in certain ways, right? If they're waking a lot at nighttime or you're touched out and you've had a long day and it's too much for you and you need a break. And I get that. I totally understand the need for, yeah, I totally understand the need for alone time and no one climbing on you. I get that. But then I stop and I think about there will be a day where you really genuinely will miss it. As hard, as overwhelming as it may feel right now, when they stop doing that, whatever that thing is, you're going to be like, man, I want that back. Like I, I really, I want to rewind time and have that back. Yeah. Well, and so I, I actually um, posted, I can't even remember what, maybe it was that post. Um, so my second, my daughter, she was like completely opposite of my first. I think she slept through the night. I don't remember waking up with her. Which is like, you hear about these like unicorn children and like on the commercials, right? They sleep. Um, That was her. And looking back, I'm like, um, that was so dangerous because babies wake up in the night. Like that is to keep them alive. Yeah. Like at the very core, it is so important for children to wake up and to call out for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I should have been way more concerned. But after my first, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. You know, and now I got an easy baby, right? Mm -hmm. That's air quotes. Um, But so looking back now, she's three, almost four. I wish that I would have gone out of my way to pick her up while she was sleeping. Yeah. Just to, and I I feel like I'm going to start crying, but just to have that time. Because there was the last couple months of my life, we've been moving, my husband changed jobs, we've been kind of all over the place. And so our schedules have been weird and all that. Um, and so she has taken a couple random naps on me. Aww. And it's just, it just makes me think and reflect. And I'm like, 
it is such an honor to be their safe space. Mm-hmm. Like that is such a big deal. And the world is not going to give you a trophy for that. I know. I, I stay at home with my kids. Um, it's not sexy. Uh, I don't earn money for raising my children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am in pajamas half the time, no makeup. We're hanging out on the floor, making messes, you know, all that stuff. But so there's not really like cheerleaders for moms just doing what feels right. I know. To whatever that is. And so I don't know. I Babies attach through their senses the first year of their life. When people email me, reach out, you know, wanting to do a call with me or have some kind of sleep support, they're like, my five-month-old won't nap off of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because they're five months old mm-hmm. and you're safe and your breath and the way that you feel and the way that you smell, everything lets them know that they can rest. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> like even because, just hearing you say that. Well, because we, we don't talk about, because that's what it is. You are actually their safe space. And so when babies only sleep on their moms or dads, it's because they know they can rest. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really plain and simple. Um, And I know that, I mean, I get touched out, overstimulated, talked out, all of that stuff. I need alone time. I'm introverted. It's a lot being around a bunch of little kids all day. So I totally get that Um, when it comes to you know, I just want my baby to sleep off of me. I totally get that. Um, and so, but I just, there's something so empowering about just telling another mom, like, you're doing what you're actually created to do. Yes. Your baby is doing that because that's what's normal for them. Right. And, and you have to meet your kids where they are, wherever that is. And I so much love, like so much so love that you just brought that whole piece of the conversation in because I remember, I mean, my daughter's almost two and a half and in the early days, just like I said, I had these unrealistic expectations about what her sleep was going to be like, you know, she would not, she would nap for 20 minutes if I put her down or if I could put her down and I baby wore her and I loved it so much and I remember just laying back and whether it was on the bed or the couch and she was just sleeping on me and I remember feeling like I needed to do stuff and use my hands and all of that stuff and sometimes I did but then other times I would just look down at her and I was just like there is literally nothing more important than this to me right now like everything else can wait yeah and it's a season it yes. is a season of life yes. that will never happen again. Never happen again with that baby. So whether it's hard or whether it's good or whether it's challenging, easy, whatever, it will never happen again. And so I think sometimes that's just what I 
love to communicate to moms because it is so overwhelming and the the push to want to go and do and oh I got to clean the house I got to do the laundry I got to do all these 50,000 things that it kind of goes with another societal obsession with being busy and like accomplishing things and all that stuff and it's like having a baby holding a baby making sure that baby is fed and alive alive and happy and well and everything that is the most important thing that you could be doing I know you know and I think about that too even now I've I've caught myself saying oh I have to do this I have to do that we have to get this done or I don't have time to do that when my daughter's asking to do specific things and then I'm like you know what I don't need to do that right now. I don't need to do that right now. I can sit down and we can build a magnetile castle. And our kids need that. Our kids need that attention. They need that one-on-one time. They need that quality time without your phone being in your face or without your laptop being right there and them trying to get your attention. They need that. They really genuinely need that. And I love what you said about the fact that there are so many people that view being a mom, a stay-at-home mom, as something that's not as good as or not as accomplishing, accomplishing as much as being out and having a career outside of the home. And I understand that each mother has different views of that, right? Like some mothers really want to be home with their children. Some mothers really want to have careers. Some mothers want to figure out how to do both. But I just don't like the stigma that that mothers who choose to stay home with their children are not bringing value. You know, that that's something that really irks me, like to my core, because it's also a societal thing. Right. Like you go to school, get married, have kids, go back to work. Like people always ask, when are you going back to work? Why is it? Why is that even a question? Why isn't it just? Are you going to, like, I don't know. Like, why does that have to be or like, a question? What, what are your plans? Yeah, what, what are your plans? Your like, right. what, what are you doing? What's good for you? Right. Yeah. I. So three years ago, I decided, uh, well, my husband and I decided that um, I needed to be home with my kids. And so he got a new job and we made arrangements. We moved and all that stuff. And it's kind of funny because we moved to a town that was kind of, it was a small town and uh, I don't know. I'm trying to use a nice word. It was like a bunch of rich people. Mm. And so people would be like, Oh, you're so lucky that your husband makes enough money for you to stay home. And that's the message that I've basically gotten since I became a stay at home mom. And I'm like, wait a second, we're choosing this both of us because it's what's important to us. Right. Yeah. Money has to do with it, but I mean, and, and then they say, well, um, you know, you stay home with the kids and your husband. And I'm like, well, actually I raise our kids so he can go make money for us. That's one of the biggest things too, that is such like a misunderstanding for people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So money is so valued. And of course, money is important. You have to have money to live and eat and survive. But raising children is 
equally, if not more important than providing, you know, it's not really a contest of like, oh, wow, your husband, you know, works out of the home, you, you know, stay home. It's like, well, yeah, we're both equal and we're both contributing to our family and doing, you know, what makes us feel right, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, a lot of the time, so I am not like a full-time stay-at-home mom. Like I work. And so my daughter comes with me and not every day I work um, three days a week out of the home and then two days a week I'm at home. And so I've had people who are like, well, you're so lucky you get to do that. You're so lucky you get to do that. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm choosing to do this because I've also had a lot of people say, well, why don't you just go put her in daycare and go back to work? And I'm like, because me being home with her is far more important to than anything, really, honestly. And it's like the other thing, too, like what you were saying about your husband, you and your husband deciding what that this was going to be what was best for your family is that sometimes when you do choose to not work outside of the home as a mom, you are, you make sacrifices in terms of like how much money is being made. You know what I mean? So like you could have an additional income. And so people, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about that too. They're like, well, you, like I said, you could go back to work full time and not have her those days and whatever. And I'm like, I don't want to though. Like I am perfectly happy living the life that I live, not making X amount of money more and knowing that my child is being provided with what she needs, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's an interesting dynamic, like societal expectations. It's just, I think it's honestly, it's to each, to each their own, but it's interesting. The, the comments that you'll get for making a different decision. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all of it's hard. Like being a stay at home mom is hard. Yes. Out of the home is, and I, I feel like, especially between moms, it's like, you know, mom shaming or, you know, whatever yeah. on the internet. It's like, it's some kind of contest to like, who has it harder? I'm like, um, it's all hard. <laughs> so it's like, everybody's literally just choosing what's best for them. Right. Whatever that looks like. Right. You know? Um, so. Yeah. And why, I mean, our society is also obsessed with like the comparison game, you know? Yeah. And again, this all kind of ties back into what you see on Instagram versus like what's reality. Like even before we hopped on the podcast tonight, we talked about are you taking a video of this because both of the backgrounds in our, in our houses are a hot mess. And I was like, nope, we're in our pajamas. Whatever mess is behind you, I do not care. Because that's real life. That is just real life and yeah. it's mom life and I say it all the time. I think motherhood is just a beautiful mess and something that I'm so thankful for. Even on the days that feel really difficult, I sit back and reflect and I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't know what a like really, like what an easier day was. You know what I mean? If we didn't have the days that felt more difficult. And so I just, I love being a mom more than anything. And I, I knew a long time ago that I wanted to be a mom, but I did not know that I really just genuinely deep down, like that's what I want to do for my life. Like that, I feel like that is my purpose is to just be a mom and and raise my daughter and raise future children. And I never thought that that would be like what I felt like my true purpose was, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't grow up in that world. Like everybody worked, everybody's parents worked. Yeah. All that. So me choosing to stay at home was like, what, what are you doing? Like you have a college degree (laughs) and you're, you have a job, you know, a good job and all that stuff. And I, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I don't think I had people say that to my face, (laughs) but I could almost just like feel that Mm -hmm. like, why would you choose to like have one car and like (laughs) cut your income in half and like, you know, um, and it's just, it really just comes down to when I get older, I want to look back and just know 100% I chose to do what I felt was right, whether it was hard or easy or, you know, indifferent, I only have one shot at this. Mm -hmm. So if I, and honestly, before I became a mother and even into my motherhood journey, I denied or it was denied my intuition. It was denied for me. And then that became my inner voice denied my intuition for so long Mm -hmm. and it's like once I just started kind of listening to myself and like feeling inside of me just instinctually like what I felt was right I'm like I can't just shove this away and act like I don't feel like this like I have to act on this I have to follow what I feel in my heart is right Mm -hmm. no matter what that looks like to anybody you know and it's funny because my mom and I we have a great relationship now and we've had a lot of hard conversations mm-hmm. and healing and everything just because the way that I'm choosing to do things is just completely opposite um, and I think for a long time I don't know if she felt it or I kind of felt it like I'm not choosing these things at anybody. Yes. You know, I'm just I'm just doing what I feel is right. But I don't know. I don't even know where I was going with that. But I I it's important to follow your intuition. And well your intuition yeah. well I I don't know, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it kind of sounded like you were saying you had this intuition inside of you. And it was kind of like denied to you, but it also wasn't modeled. These things that you felt in your soul that you wanted to do was not something that you saw growing up, that it was not, yeah. it was not something that was around you. And it, it was the same exact thing for me. And I think this also, we could lead this into a com- conversation about birth too, but we, we don't, if we don't see these things, we don't know anything different. And then once we become mothers or even honestly, I started feeling it when I was pregnant, I felt this shift in me and the shift in the decisions that I was making. And I knew that it wasn't just me, that my decisions would impact anymore. And I just felt, I felt the things changing. I felt that I really needed to listen to my intuition. And, and I feel like pregnancy <laughs> really helped me tune into my body and what I what I really felt like deep down in my core and it was wild and I, and I also found that if I didn't listen to my intuition and even now to this day 
if you don't listen to your intuition, these things happen to you and you're like, I freaking knew that was going to happen, you know, because if you don't listen to literally what God is telling you, what your core is telling you, you're why, why aren't you listening to it? It's right there in your face. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because there's so many outside factors, you know, there's people pleasing and, you know, there's all of these factors that go into it. So it's really hard. And really for me, it wasn't when I had my first, literally when he was put onto my chest, Mm -hmm. it was like the old me was dead. Mm -hmm. And now I am a brand new Carly and I don't really know where I'm going with this and I don't know who I can talk to about the way that I'm feeling, but I am not the same person. Mm-hmm. And that was a weird space to be in for me. Um, yeah. I mean, people also, it's recently started to be brought up amongst conversations, but people don't realize that mother's brains legitimately change when they are pregnant and when they become mothers, each time they become a a mother. So obviously you have one baby of it. Each time you have a baby following that, your brain is changing, which is insanely cool, but no one, and I think I said this recently when I was talking to a midwife that I know, no one talks to you about, okay, you're gonna meet a whole new version of yourself. Mm -hmm. Someone you never knew. And that is life-changing. Giving birth is life-changing because you're meeting your baby for the first time. You're carrying your baby, you're birthing your baby. But then after that, you just, you transform into a completely different person. And yes. so many things that used to be important to you are not important to you. And so many things that weren't important to you are now super important to you. And it's just, it is truly the most incredible thing. I think it's one of, I think it is such a gift. I truly, truly feel it is such a gift to become a mom and have that transformation happen. It's, it's mind blowing. It's eye opening. It's heart opening. It, it's all the things. Yeah. Well, and it's like you give birth and then it's like a mirror being put up in your face. Mm-hmm. For so long before then, for my entire life, I never really considered how I was programmed yes. or like what's important to me. I mean, I was just going about life, yes. but not really like consciously or intentionally doing anything. And then I had my baby and I was like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I am so codependent on this person and this person and I cannot be this and he deserves so much better and this is not okay with me and this is not okay with me and this you know whole I mean it literally just and the thing is it's not talked about so nobody says like hey you know when you have a baby you're going to be a different person and then on top of that people should have that conversation and they should also say and that's a good thing Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) a good thing because that's who you're supposed to be you know these babies come into our lives and I always like I write letters to my kids and at the very end I always say like you have saved my life and it was not your job 
to save my life, but God has used each one of you to reveal things inside of myself that were so wrong for so long and that I needed to heal and mend and change and do better, you know, and it's such, I would hate it if I didn't listen to that because I, I think a lot of times moms just keep going on with life and they, you know, they're forced to get back to work and, you know, in the same situations and don't really sit down and think about like how much of a big deal it is, you know? Yeah. I'm sitting here getting emotional, even just listening to you talk about it because it's, it's so true. And I think one of the things in our society that is pushed is honestly just getting back to your life, right? Like getting back to your life. Like you don't, like you didn't just birth a new human and a new, new version of yourself. And it's like a lot of our, a lot of the people in our society are just so detached from that. And it's so pushed with the babies need to be independent. And I was also going to say, I did not realize how much healing I had to do until I had my daughter because tying back into what we said earlier, I started looking at things from her perspective. And like you just said, you start seeing that they are going to mirror anything that you show them. And we, as mothers and parents, it's our job to help them regulate their emotions. It's our job to raise them in a way where they feel confident in themselves and they know that they're loved no matter how they behave, no matter what they decide to do with their life. And I, I struggle with that when I, when I hear and see people kind of just having babies as almost like an accessory, you know, or just another, just another thing to accomplish. Yeah, like you get married and then you have a baby and they're cute and you put them on Facebook and you go along with their lives. I mean, yes. it, it really is, but it's, oh, it's such a big deal. It's such a big deal. Yeah. And one thing one thing we didn't even really get to hop into, so maybe we should do another episode because <laughs> we were going to talk more about um, like gentle parenting and different types of parenting and a whole conversation on our children. But I feel like we just had such a beautiful free flowing conversation. I did not want to interrupt it. Um, so we will come back and we'll do another one. But yeah, it's just be, becoming a mom is one of the most incredible, if not the most incredible thing ever in your life. And I really loved when you said we are doing what we were created to do you know it's this is what we're here for we're here to raise our children and I think that was one of the other things is that I shared a post on it a while back because I never thought that I was going to be a exclusively breastfeeding co-sleeping homeschooling mama if you had told me that years ago I would have laughed in your face but (laughs) now it's the most important thing to me. And honestly, I know that a lot of people want to go back to work and that's their choice and to each their own. But 
I did not become a mother to have other people raise my children. You know? And that's that's difficult for some people, and I understand that. But for me personally, I don't want to put her in daycare from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. so I can go work a job for somebody else who doesn't really mean anything to me when I could be home with her, you know? Yeah. Well, I, for me, so I calculated... I wish that I had the numbers. I calculated the amount of awake hours that I would spend with my children. Yes. They were away from me. Oh, goodness. I wish that I knew the specific numbers. Because I would say it was like maybe four years of their life. Like I'm talking until they're 18 years old. Oh, wow. So like awake hours. I calculated how much time that I would be with them if I was working full time and away from them and they were in public school or a school or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, no, this world is so crazy. And I can't have other people influencing my children more than I am mm-hmm. because I am their mother and God created me to teach them and guide them. So no matter what, if I decide to, you know, work outside the home or whatever, whatever that looks like in years to come, they will never be with somebody else more than they are with me. Yeah. Period. And I love that so much because that's something that I've heard a lot about in terms of people saying that I need to spend more time away from my daughter. And I get that if that's your point of view and that's your choice. And if you want to go back to work and spend that time away from your kid because you really love your career, okay, that's your choice. But pushing that on others, like, well, why don't you just put her in daycare and spend time away from her? Like, you need more time away from her. She needs more time away from you. And I'm like, she's literally going to only be this little for X amount of time in her life. And like you said, I don't want other people influencing her especially in the crazy world that we're living in man i don't i don't want that i have no interest in that and the other thing that i talked about with um with kelsey who i had on a perinatal social worker was just that if you look at the costs of daycare and childcare, if i was to go back to work crazy if i was to go back to work i'd only be going back to work just to pay for daycare I yes. mean, I am I am working, but if I went back to work full time, yes. yeah. But um, it's just no. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense, and it's just not. It does not right for for me, and so I'm very confident in that. Um, and I've also talked to a lot of moms who have said things like, "Oh, well, I wish I could stay home, and I wish I could do that," and I've. I've asked them, I've said, okay, well, are there certain areas in your life where you could spend less money? You know, like if you really, really, if that's what your goal is, is to be home with your babies, be home with your child, what are the areas in your life that you could look at and look at your finances and see how to make that happen? You know, I mean, and it's not, it's not possible for everybody at certain stages in their life, which I understand, but when I look at it and I look at 
the sacrifices and air quotes, I would literally sacrifice anything to be home with her. And that's how much it means to me. And so it, it really just comes down to just tuning into motherhood and your intuition, your maternal instincts, what you feel is best for you and your baby, you know? Yes, absolutely. So this has been such an awesome conversation. I am literally so excited for everyone to hear this one. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I could talk about this for, for hours. And honestly, I feel like I need to write a book for I, maybe yes. just my children to read. But it has the shift of becoming a mother has been monumental in my husband and I's life. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking like breaking generational cycles. Like it, it's just, it's the most important thing in the whole world to me. And so I could talk about this. All I, the time. Oh my God. I feel <laughs> that. Hours, I feel hours. that deep in my soul. I feel it deep in my soul. So maybe you and I are going to have to start brainstorming some things we can do. With this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, so a few questions for you as we're wrapping up this episode. What are just a few of your favorite parent gentle parenting resources? I know you and I had talked about we had a whole bunch of them because there really are so many incredible ones. Maybe you could just share a few and then I'll share other ones in the show notes with everybody. Yeah. So so I I love parenting books. I love podcasts. Yes. I love like that's my me time. Yes. Like I love to listen to podcasts. I love to listen to people talk about parenting. I love talking about parenting. Mm-hmm. So a few books that I absolutely love are The Whole Brain Child, Rest Play Grow. Yes. I tell everybody to read Rest Play Grow. Yes. Hold on to your kids. Okay. Raising a secure child. Um, parenting towards the kingdom and attachments. Those are like my top books. And there's, there's so many, there's no way I could name all of them. Yes. Um, I mean, it's hard. They're really, this is like what we were talking about before. We are lucky that we have access to these resources at our fingertips, right? All of these accounts that just Instagram accounts, podcasts that make it so easy for us to, sit back for five minutes or however long we have and just listen and be like, Oh my God, you know, I had not thought about that or I've been doing this in my parenting and here's a way that I could shift this and start implementing that. And you do it all the time. And I think one thing that I would love to just partly end off the podcast with is just that parenting is never going to be perfect. There's no, there is no perfect and you're going to mess up. And that's okay. We're human, you know, and we do the best we can with what we know. And then when we learn something new, we start implementing that too. And I recently shared a post about apologizing to your kids. If you mess up, just apologize to your kids. If you're rude, if if you snap at them because you're feeling a certain way, it is not their fault. Just apologize to them. You're you're never going to be perfect. This idea of perfect parenting is not realistic. It's not real. Yes. Well, and it is such a blessing to have all these resources and Instagram pages and podcasts and everything. But I think at this point, like sometimes it's a little bit too much. Yes. Amen to that. For some, sometimes. 
it's like okay you just kind of need to shut off everything and like what works for you Mm -hmm. so like I'm all about learning from different people and hearing different things I like listening to people who I don't agree with at all yeah because I want to know that what I'm doing is right for me Mm -hmm. you know I like hearing different perspectives and everything um I don't know where I was going with that. That's okay. Um, No, you were saying that it's too much, that there's so, and there is so much. We have information at our fingertips and sometimes that can be overstimulating in itself. And sometimes we just, like you said, just need to shut it off and just look at what what you're doing with your children. Is this working for you? Is this lining up with the way that you want to parent? And if not, how can you change that? Well, I I was, this is what I was going to say. My mom and I were actually talking about this the other night. There's a course for everything. Yes. Which, I mean, I, I'm not hating on it. I love all this information being shared. You know, I share information on Instagram. So so I'm not hating the game, but it's like, (laughs) sometimes you just kind of need to rein it back in and dial it back. And it's like, you have to test everything against your intuition, pray about it, discern, you know, through everything. Because mm-hmm. it, it can be, you know, if you your child's not sleeping, okay, buy a course. Your child's acting a certain way, buy a course. It's like, wait a second, are we just becoming like, <laughs> there's a course for everything. And That's it's like, valid. You, you will not be perfect. No. Ever. And the most important, one of the most important things that you can do with your children is repair. Yes. It's huge to their brains, to their development is to see you say, you know what? I was feeling so frustrated and I raised my voice and that is not the way that I want to speak to you. And this is not okay with me. I need to ask for your forgiveness and I'm going to change the way that I'm speaking to you. Mm -hmm. Can we have a fresh start? Like, it is monumental whether your child is two years old or 30 years old mm-hmm. to hear your parents say, you know what? I need to ask for your forgiveness or I didn't think about it this way or just respecting the way that your kids are allowed to feel however they feel. Yes. Oh, my you gosh. Know? <laughs> Thank you for saying that because I, I was just having this conversation with, with Jaden, who is a a mindset and parenting coach and I don't know why people as parents or even not as parents even if it's just someone who's a caregiver taking care of a child why people are so against in air quotes allowing children to show their feelings who who in history was like you know what I think it's just best if we don't let anybody feel anything and you can just store that up and store all your emotions in and we'll see what happens. And you know what? We sit back and we look at our society, myself included, with people who have no idea how to regulate their emotions, no idea how to sh- express their emotions as full-blown adults, as as grandparents, as, you know, and so it's so important to tune into your children and just listen to them get on their level and admit when you're wrong and like you said the repair piece sometimes for example if we're talking to the older generations right and we're talking about 
generational parenting patterns and styles. And they realize that a lot of the ways that they parent was not in, not what they meant to do. And they, they, may, they may realize that they want to apologize for that, but then they also feel super uncomfortable doing that or that they feel that even if they did apologize now, it wouldn't make a difference. You can literally do that at any point in your child's life, at any point, at any age. And honestly, if you think about it, if, if they were raised from a young age not having you apologize to them, if they reach whatever, whether they're teenagers, adults, if you apologize to them, that might be one of the most monumental moments in their life. Yeah. Being like, you know, for a long time, I never heard you say that. And, you know, thank you for saying that. That made a huge impact in my life and our relationship. And like we said before, you can always start implementing things in ways to positively impact your relationship with your children. Yeah. Well, and going back to like my relationship with my own mom, that was like, it changed the game for everything when we were able to sit down and have a conversation about kids don't feel your intentions Mm -hmm. they only feel and see reality so like if your actions and your words don't match up or Mm -hmm. your actions and what you really meant don't really match up i mean kids only see and feel you know what's in front of them what's their reality and so just being able to listen to my mom and where she was coming from and for us to just have an open and vulnerable conversation Mm -hmm. and then also to talk about why she is the way that she is and her parents and things that happened as she grew up and i mean at some point i know everybody needs to be responsible for their own behavior obviously and take responsibility but people are just walking around acting like they've been programmed to act. Mm -hmm. Amen. So so at some level, it's like you can only really hold people accountable for like what they even know, you know, if they don't realize now, I mean, I'm not condoning like telling people that they've hurt you and they dismiss you and all that stuff. I mean, that's abusive, but right. It's just, it was like the redemption story of my children and my family starts with my mom. Mm -hmm. And I am going to be able to tell my children that, how powerful it is that that is a part of our story, you know? It's beautiful. And that's, that's the other piece of it too, like what you were saying People think, you know, I just am the way that I am. This is just how I am. This is how I was raised. This is what I think. This is what I feel. And that's just it. And in reading these books, these parenting books, my mind is constantly blown. Because not only have these books and my healing journey allowed me to to better understand myself and why I've done certain things and how I've shown up in relationships, but it's also allowed me to better understand so many people in my life. And I'm not saying I fully understand everything because I'm never going to experience what they are or what they have experienced, I should say. But 
I have seen how people were raised. I have seen that impact that that has had on their relationships. And so now I feel like I'm looking at everything from a different lens, a different perspective. But like you said, you can take that and you can talk to someone about it and potentially heal further, you know, especially when it comes to our parents. But that's also deep down to my core why responsive parenting and gentle parenting and being home with my daughter is so important to me is because I don't want her to have to go through a lot of the things that I did and to have to do the amount of healing. You know, I'm not saying she's not going to have any healing to do. Everybody will at some point. Yeah. But to just have her see something differently than I did growing up, you know? And I think that that in itself and the healing journey for yourself and for your children and for the people around you in your life can is, can be life-changing on so many levels. Yep. And you can't give your child something that you don't have within yourself. Mm. So I think that's where it really came down for me. It's like, okay, I don't love myself. So like, how am I supposed to love my husband (laughs) or my children? And they're going to be watching me and how I speak to myself and other people. They're going to be watching how my husband and I interact. Mm -hmm. They're going to learn how to love and how they feel about themselves and how to act and react and all of these things. And that's for me, it was just like, we need to pump the brakes and I need to reevaluate everything, you know? Yes. And I love so much that you just said that because the way that we react and respond to our children impacts what they think about themselves and what they believe about themselves. And it's honestly part of that like internal voice that we hear, right? So if we're, if we go back to what you said earlier, if we are constantly telling our children, no, don't touch that. No, don't do that. No, 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 no. What is that doing for them? You know, Mm -hmm. they're they're going to be like, I never do anything right. Yes. All day long. I'm just being told no. What that must mean that. And then they start internalizing that. Mm -hmm. I don't do anything right. The people who are supposed to love me the most in this world are constantly correcting me it must be something wrong with myself mm-hmm. and i that's i mean i i pray that that's never a parent's intentions right. but it's just it's just what happens you yeah. know and i think that'd be another when we come back and do the podcast because one of the things we were going to talk about was just our children are not born to please us so let's we'll come back and we'll talk about yes. that but um yes. This. That was a spicy post on Instagram. Yes. It, I don't know. People, I don't know. I like to talk about things that kind of, I don't want to ruffle feathers, but it's like, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to have these conversations, you and know? It, that's the other thing, too, is that I find it interesting that people view what we're saying as so radical and so controversial when it's just like, no, this is just a conversation. This needs to be a conversation, you know? Yeah. So. When, and the idea that respecting your children is some kind of like new idea. It's like, wait a second, what? 
Right? Shouldn't children have always been respected? I'm confused. <laughs> I'm lost. But, right? Right? But it just comes, I mean, it, you know, children are to be seen and not heard. Yes. Oh I mean, that was two generations ago, and then it just trickled down from there. Yep. And, you know? and we are here to change that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. I One of my favorite sayings is it ran in the family till it ran into me. Ooh, I like that. Boom. And this is where it ends. This is where it ends. Not up in here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So we've talked about like a lot of, a lot of pieces of advice throughout this entire episode, but do you have any like final words that you would leave people with? I know that's kind of tricky because we've talked about, we've covered a lot. Really, I think getting whatever you need to do to listen to your intuition, you need to do that. So whether that's healing, therapy, whatever that looks like, Mm -hmm. it is so important to listen to that inner voice. Um, That's probably one of the most important things that I always talk about when I help uh, moms and I work one-on-one. Moms know what is best for their children. Mm -hmm. Not your doctor not a sleep specialist, not somebody selling you a course on Instagram, Mm -hmm. not anybody, not your grandma, not you were created to take care of this child and whatever you need to do to listen to your intuition and to live the life that you feel like you are called to live, do it. I love that so much. I've learned so many things that you've said. (laughs) (laughs) And it might be so hard, but it is so, we only have one shot, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can go back and you can say sorry and you can say, oh, I didn't mean this and all that stuff, but why not just get ahead of it and just do what's best for yourself and your children right now. And... Then learn how to set healthy boundaries with whatever that looks like for the outside world. <laughs> True that. True that. And I, yeah, I think that's it's very true because no matter what, as a parent, you're going to hear unsolicited advice or opinions on the way that you choose to raise your children. Always. Doesn't yeah. It doesn't matter where you live. doesn't matter who you're around. You're always going to hear it. And... One of my favorite ways to approach it is just that's not something I'm going to be discussing. This is not a, this is not up for yeah. debate. It's not up for discussion. Let's move on to the next piece of the conversation, you know? Yeah. And that just makes it simple and easy, you know? You don't you don't have to explain why you're choosing to raise your kid in a certain way unless someone's genuinely asking and they have questions and they want to better understand yeah. it and you want to have an open conversation where they are receptive to hearing what you're saying. But outside of that, you don't have to defend why you're choosing to raise your child a certain way, you know, which I think is tricky in our society nowadays. But either way, like you said, you know, it's best for your child and that's it. Yep. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with me and sharing your beautiful wisdom and knowledge and experience with everybody. This is such, such a good episode. I'm seriously so excited. I oftentimes find that after I talk to people on the podcast, I just leave feeling like so excited and just like ready to take on the world and talking about parenting and motherhood. It's just, it's so fun. So thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Well, everybody who listened, we're so excited for to hear your feedback. And if you, oh, before we go, can you tell everybody where they can find you? Yes. So I'm on Instagram as be still and no motherhood. Perfect. And so you can reach out to Carly if you have any questions or if you just want to share some feedback or anything like that or myself as well. And we will talk to you next week, listeners. Bye-bye. so much for joining us this week listeners i really hoped you love this episode as much as i did if you enjoyed it learned something new or know someone you feel may benefit from it please share it with them whether you're posting it on social media sending it in a text or an email my goal is to open up these types of conversations within our society within our families within our friend groups as always if you have any feedback questions or know someone you think may be a great guest for the podcast, please connect us on Instagram at the Be Loud About What Matters podcast or send an email to be loud about what matters at gmail.com. And if I haven't said it already, if you could please subscribe to the podcast, I would so appreciate it. And also leave a review if it's something that aligns with you and you feel like you want to learn more and you want to keep listening help us reach more people. I appreciate you all so much and can't wait to chat with you again next week. Bye-bye.